Hey, good morning, everybody. What's happening? Glad you are here and uh, thankful for all those watching online with us today. We love you guys and thank God for you. And uh, we are coming up in our second week here in our blessed series and had a great time with this last week. If you missed it, make sure, again, you watch it online as we man, talk, talked about the first things. But just before I get started uh, today, I want to uh, just give you an update for those that are watching on one of our families that we've been praying so much for around here, uh, Rachel Hardesty. And uh, for those that may not know, uh, she, uh, several weeks ago, found out that she had a massive brain tumor. This is a family that's been a part of our church for about four years or so, and but also in the midst of that, uh, she uh, is pregnant, and so she was transferred from Fort Wayne down to Indianapolis at Methodist Hospital uh, down there, and uh, it, it was unreal. Uh, they had to perform uh, brain surgery. I saw the tumor. The tumor was about the size of a softball, it really was about half of her brain, and, and just unbelievable the fact that she's even alive with that size of a tumor, but doctors saw fit that uh, she needed to have the baby prematurely in order to have a successful surgery as well, and to make sure the baby stays healthy, and so I'm happy to report baby uh, Blair is, is healthy, she's doing well, she's growing, and uh, she is uh, gaining uh, weight, uh, and so we're thankful for that, and also I was extremely happy to report I was with the family this past Tuesday, and uh, down there for the surgery, and surgery went better than expected. In fact, uh, they thought that she uh, would lose complete uh, uh, mobility, actually go paralyzed in her left side of her body. And uh, But thanks be to God that she came out of that surgery uh, having full use of everything. Uh, in fact, vision and memory and all those things uh, uh, was intact and doing well. And, and that uh, just stunned doctors in and of itself. So uh, I just believe she's been seeing miracles after miracle. And we're just continuing uh, as a church family uh, to stand in faith and to believe God to continue to complete what he's done in her lives. So I just want to ask you uh, just to continue to pray for them. And uh, as she's being transported up here to Fort Wayne to Parkview and going through the uh, rehab process, which is going to take some time, obviously, in that uh, intensive a surgery. And so, and again, her, her, her baby's doing well. And so pray for Jeffy as well, her husband and their other son, Louie. And uh, we just know, man, God is doing incredible things. And uh, we know that uh, her day's going to come where she's going to stand on this stage and testify of the power of of our living God. So I, I want to get into the message today so you can get on, uh, uh, pull out your message notes, and uh, we're going to jump right in. And I want to read a message, or excuse me, a verse that I actually shared last week, but I'm going to read it out of a different version. Last week I read it out of the NIV, but today I want to read it out of the New King James because I really want to expose something that I think that needs to be talked about, I think that needs to be exposed, uh, that's happening currently in our society, in our culture. And I just really feel like God uh, and His people need to have, again, a very healthy perspective uh, when it comes to viewing finances God's way, but also understanding, you know what, everybody, that there is a, a real God, uh, but there's also a real devil that's loose in the world today. And so it says this in Matthew 6, 24, that uh, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And watch this as it says, and it says that you cannot serve 
God and man. And last week we read, again, out of the NIV, the last part of last week's verse said that you cannot serve both God and money. So I want to talk to you about what this, what mammon is. I want to talk to you about how it functions because it is a spirit, and I believe it's a spirit that's at work that needs to be exposed and uh, that we need to have a healthy understanding and real clarity of how this really tries to entice the believer and how this can really hold you and I back from God's blessing uh, if we don't see finances God's way. So let me just kind of tell you what it means and uh, what the word means. Uh, first of all, it comes from the Aramaic word that means riches. And uh, mammon, in other words, has nothing more to do than with this fallen world that we live in and that it, it absolutely stands in just sharp contrast uh, and opposition to God and his ways. So I'm going to give you some examples just on the screen today of, of allowing you to see what mammon does and what the Spirit of God does and how God works. And so mammon does this. Mammon says buy and sell. God says to sow and reap. Mammon says to cheat and steal. God says to give and to receive. Mammon says to take, where God says, I want you to give. And so hopefully you can begin to see the difference between uh, the operation of the spirit of mammon versus the spirit of God. And then really lastly, mammon says to be selfish, uh, where God says, I want you to be generous. And so uh, one of the things about this spirit called mammon, it also uh, engages in lying uh, to bring believers like you and me into a place of bondage and ultimately tries to, it can get real religious too. In other words, it'll, it'll say things like, well, uh, if you just had more money, you could really start helping people. And I think what's really important is that we need to keep in mind that Jesus never said that the answer was more money. In fact, again, we need to understand that God is our source for everything. So I want, I want us to see some stats that I just think are absolutely mind-blowing. But again, what I want to show from this, and in fact, this is some stats I've shown before to our church. And, and what's important about it is it's relevant. It's relevant to what we're seeing in our culture today. And it's an article that came about five years ago out of Time magazine. And, uh, and it was called The Day America Told the Truth. And the question in, in this article was just simply this, uh, what are you willing to do for $10 million? You know, that's a big, big figure. And so the question again, what would you do for $10 million? So what they did in Time Magazine is they interviewed Americans, and this was their response. 25% of families, of people, I should say, in our country said they would abandon their entire family for $10 million. Again, I want you to just think about this. 23% said they would actually become a prostitute for a week or more. Uh, 16% said they would give up their American citizenship for $10 million. 10% said that they would withhold a testimony, letting a murderer go free. 7% of people, listen to this, said they would actually kill a stranger for $10 million. And then 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. And yeah, you know, the response is just absolutely mind-blowing. But it shows you the mindset of a world that's without God, a world and a people in this nation that need God and his truth and to see things God's way. And so what we have to realize is this, is that money isn't the answer to your problems. God is the answer to your problems. And we have to see God as our source. Again, not, not for some things in our life or maybe what's convenient, but we have to see God as our source uh, just for everything. And, and obviously, uh, this can be, as we know, we learned this last week within talking about the first things, you know, tithe 
is a test. It's the 10% and it's a test. And on this side of eternity, we talked about it, that the, this is going to be the ultimate heart test for you and me. Will we trust God uh, with that 10%? It's amazing to me uh, how difficult this is for a lot of people. And again, we, and we can trust God with our eternity, but we struggle trusting God with our money. But again, I just believe if we get a hold of God's word and, and we get a hold of the life that is in this, uh, it really does change everything. And so here's what I know. The, the, Satan absolutely hates uh, spirit-led giving. There's absolutely no doubt uh, about that. And, and here's why. Because what happens is, is when, we, when we're faithful in our giving, uh, what, begins to, what begins to take place is it then obviously diminishes uh, the kingdom of darkness. And it makes you and I mo more like our Heavenly Father. And so uh, the thing that Satan doesn't want you to be, that's financially free. He always wants you under the pressure of finances. Uh, he always wants you in a place where you're contemplating, do we give or not? And, uh, and so there's a real place of freedom, though, that we have to, I believe, get a hold of for our life. And in fact, the last part of this series, in, in just a couple weeks, I'm going to talk to you just, again, on some practical levels. Man, how do I get out of the funk that I may be in financially? Man, I'm always finding that I'm in more debt. And I'm always finding that I'm always needing more. Well, a lot of that has got to do with management. And I just, I just really feel this. And again, we, we talked a little bit about this last week. Is God has called us to steward well with what he's blessed us with. I'm going to talk about uh, that same kind of principle and how, have us look at it maybe a little bit differently in just a few minutes. But I think it's really important. And to know the heart of your God wants you free and wants you debt-free. Can somebody say a good amen? All right? And so... Um, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23 says this, buy truth and do not sell it, buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. So I just, you know, I want, I want you just to know in your heart how important it is to buy truth. In other words, that you're buying into the fullness of God and who he is and his word for your life. Buy the truth. Then, and look, uh, look um, at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, I want us to look at this. Paul is about to, to receive a, uh, or to collect a special offering here. And he's encouraging the people about their giving. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 9. To remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what he has decided to give, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And uh, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I, I want to point something out that I think is really important in this scripture and that is the part of the scripture where it says uh, to not, uh, to give what you've decided in your heart. I think it's interesting, again, that God's pointing back to our heart as it relates to finances. And so uh, it, within this, he said, I want you to give not reluctantly. I want you to give not under compulsion. I want you to be happy about it. I want you to be cheerful about it. In other words, that we get to give, all right, and uh, it's not a I have to give. And so there's a definitely two different mentalities with that. In fact, let me say this. I, I just believe if you feel pressured in any way, and, and we don't pressure people to give here, but I would say this. If you feel uh, under compulsion or reluctant, don't give. Because here's what's important. Uh, your heart is what's most important to God. And I think getting your heart right with God in this area is incredibly important. And, and I think, as we learned last week, Malachi chapter 3, that whole chapter, and we looked at most of the several verses in there, how God says, you know, I want you to test me in this principle. We saw that uh, there's more uh, in your Bible that talks about giving than uh, uh, faith, uh, love, and belief uh, combined. And so, again, I, I think God knew that this was going to be, again, the ultimate heart test 
for all of us. And so uh, it's also interesting to me, just because we live right here in the cornfields of Indiana, uh, that, that starts with, with farming language, which I think you and I can kind of relate to that. But again, not under compulsion, or, or not reluctantly, or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So there's three tests I think that we have to pass. That's incredibly important. I think three tests that um, if God's going to bless us, you, you know, I talked about it last week, he's going to test us. The first one is the need test, all right? And, it, and so if you're going to be a giver and you're going to see your resources uh, multiplied, you must believe that God is the supplier, not of some of your needs, but all of your needs. In fact, the Bible says it this way in Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So again, it's remembering the need test, all right, that money is not my source. My job is not my source. God is my source. And so what this test does is helps, really helps you and I to realize who our source is. And, 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 and let, me, let me just say this too, it takes great faith to trust God. Absolutely. And I realize for some of us, this could be real new for you, or maybe you're in a place where you're trying to trust God with the fullness of tithe, and, and, and I just want you to know it does. It takes great faith. It may seem a little scary at first, like, man, how, how's 90% better than 100%? I'm just telling you, uh, it's God's method of his blessing. And to our natural carnal minds, it seems like uh, there's no way mathematically, but that's why God doesn't work uh, like uh, we think. And, and I'm so glad that God's ways are higher, Scripture says, that his thoughts are not like our thoughts, because here's the reality. If God thought like you and I, we'd all be jacked up today, and none of us would be in the room today. I, I, I can guarantee you that. Uh, so I'm thankful that he doesn't think like you and me, and I think that's important. And so I think one of the first fears that you have to overcome is the fear of not having enough. All right, so here's the second test, and that's the greed test. And that is this. It's remembering when you give... There is the principle of giving back, but I want to just, again, expose something that I think has been around in the church that, honestly, uh, we've been indoctrinated with a false doctrine in the church that says the motivation for giving is just to get something back. And so it's this thinking or mentality that I'm going to give because God is going to give back to me, baby. Like, uh, I'm going to sow and reap a harvest because it's all about me and myself and I and my wants. And so what happens, again, is we give with mentalities like this, like God is some kind of spiritual slot machine or he's some kind of genie in a bottle. And, you know, it's unfortunate that I, I, I see this sometimes on Christian television, and, and I'm not going to go too far into that. That's all I need to say. Not all of it's bad but there's, there's just some out there, and what happens is the manipulation that, that, that takes place, which is absolutely wrong and unbiblical, and in fact, it, there's, there's that thinking, well, if I manipulate it right, and if I give it the right time, the right figure, at the right moment, then God is obligated to give back to me, and I'm going to be driving that Rolls Royce, I'm going to be flexing that Rolex watch, and, and that is why so many people get turned off by messages like these with finances. And it is absolutely what messes up the hearts of people. And it is wrong thinking. You need to tell yourself to that today, that is wrong thinking. It's wrong thinking. And so James 4.3, I think this is such an interesting verse and a real important one for us. It says this, that when you ask, you do not receive because, look at this, it's your motives. Your heart is everything to God. I mean, I, I want us to just to let that sink in for a second. Our motives, my why forgiving. Uh, think about that. So you're, you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so when we give, 
Make no mistake that the spiritual principle is that, yes, God will multiply it back to us. But the, the motivation uh, for giving is not to get back, all right? Uh, it should be out of a pureness of our heart that we give to give, uh, to be used, and to see God and his kingdom advance in the earth. Come on, somebody, all right? And so that's what it's about. And the, the material gain is not the goal, but it is a byproduct. You know, I'll hear people say, well, you know, can I have nice things? Absolutely you can. You know, you can drive a nice car, nice home, and those things are great. And God doesn't mind if you have stuff as long as your stuff don't have you. And so, again, it's, it's nothing wrong with having nice things. And, yes, God wants you blessed. But, again, it comes back to the motive of your heart. And then here's the final test that we got to get, and that's the seed test. All right. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 through 9 says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. So what seeds do is seeds, and again, thinking about the farming perspective, we have to see seed as money. All right? See money as seeds. All right? And seeds have the power to create large returns. And so some e seed you'll eat, obviously. Some seed you'll re-sow uh, and, and to receive a harvest. And so obviously it's okay to consume that. The farmer has to eat, of course. All right? But again, last week we established that the 10% belongs to God. Uh, that's, again, that's uh, the income that we bring in. That's what belongs to God. And so the cool thing that we saw last week is that blessed life of doing it God's way will open doors that I'm telling you no man can shut. And, um, and so I want to I just, uh, uh, at this time, and just show you a story in our church of a young woman, man, who just put her trust completely in God uh, as it relates uh, to giving. Pause, pause, pause. In my mind, there was just no way I could ever do it. When I started attending Elevate, um, I was a single mom of three kids, and I hadn't been able to work for about five years because of my health problems, and disability had kept denying me, and um, I believe at the time I was living off of maybe $1,000 a month with the kids, and I was struggling um, really badly. There were, I'm already going to cry, um, there were a lot of times where I didn't have money for food. Um, Michael, go ahead. Cool. Come on. Wasn't that incredible, everybody? Absolutely awesome. And let me just point something out about that story that I think is significant is, you know, Rachel was someone, you know, even as a single mom, uh, you know, what, what was important is obviously her hearing the voice of God. But, you know, what she did was she passed the seed test. And again, God was looking at her heart, not necessarily, really wasn't about the amount as it was her heart, but it was a faith test for her. And I love how she put God to the test. And, uh, and as you heard in the story, how just within a five-month period, she received almost ten times back what she gave in. And, and can I just tell you, only God can do that. Only God can write those kind of stories. And, and Rachel will tell you, man, she does it. It's, everything's not perfect. You know, she's still journeying, that's for sure. But I think what it is is a testimony of putting God first, putting him to the test, like he said, and watching him be the provider for our life. Let me read you this scripture out of 2 Corinthians 9 that says, He who supplies, again, see money as seed, seed to the sower, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 
And then you will be enriched in every way so that, I love this part of this verse, so that you can be generous on every occasion. I don't know about you, but man, I desire to be able to be in a place in my life that I can be generous on every occasion, all right? And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And, and that is the blessed life that God wants to get all of us to, all right? That we will have a store of seed and have the ability to be able to be generous to other people. Again, that he will supply and then he will multiply or he will increase. Again, that's the first things principle that we talked about last week. Now, here's, here's, this t here's the test right here. Here's the ultimate test of the heart in Luke, in your Bible, in Luke chapter 16, in verse 10 and 11, it says this, that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? All right, so here's the deal. Here's the question. You can write it down in your notes today, and that is simply this. It's a question for you and God, and that is uh, it's, it's remembering that if you're faithful with the little, that God will trust you with more, but you've got to be able to be trusted with what he's placed in your hands today. And so here it is. Uh, it's the statement that God has no problem uh, getting money to you. He just has to know he can get it through you. And the question that I alluded to last week with this verse was, can God trust me? And so not, not just about, man, your heart and wanting to be generous to people, but can God trust me today to steward well, to maybe say no to some things that I need to say no to in order to say yes to some things that God wants me to say yes to? You know, I think about a scripture in our Bible that David made a statement. It's a powerful one. He said, I will not give what doesn't cost me something. In other words, you and I in some ways ought to feel it. I think about the average person in America. I saw this stat recently. You know, the average American right now in our country spends $20 a week at Starbucks. Think about it. That's, that's, that's a lot of money. That's 80 bucks a month just on Starbucks. You know, my thought is, man, what if, what if, what if we said no to Starbucks and, and, and we, we sacrificed and said, man, you know, I'm going to invest that in the kingdom of God. You know, those are just principles of trust. And are we just going on, on, on just expenditures or impulse? And, and again, I'm going to try to real talk, really talk to us practically at the end of this series, hopefully to kind of help dial us back in if we are finding ourselves just money slipping through our fingers. And there's a scripture actually in your Bible in Proverbs that talks about there's nothing worse than putting money with a, with a, with a bag with holes in it. I mean, to watch it go, come, and just go. And so, again, it comes back to being a steward of what God has blessed us with. And so what generosity does, uh, man, here's what it does. is God blesses us, we're blessed to be a blessing. Uh, and you've heard my story, man, I'm, I'm a proud tither of 21 years. I'm proud of that. And let me tell you why. Just because, um, not that, I've been, that I'm perfect, doesn't make me perfect, all right? But I have just seen God as my source for everything in my life. Uh, and, and again, I have my tough days, absolutely, but I've always seen money is not mine. I've seen things that God has given. Again, we talked about it last week, is God calling us to steward, uh, and that I'm not, we're stewards of everything, not owners of nothing. You know, I think about how generosity is changing lives through our church. I think about, you know, our bus ministry uh, that's helping to change lives, and because of your generosity, church, guess what? Uh, man, our, our, our buses are getting gassed, and it's bringing people to church that, in other ways, couldn't come to church unless it wasn't for our bus ministry. But guess what? It's your generosity that helps make that happen. We talked so much last week about wins of, of how your generosity is helping to reach people. I'm so thankful.
household that when you and I give, that guess what? It's going to go to uh, parts of this city, our state, this nation, and the world that probably you and I may never go to. But guess what? Our generosity is. And God is using that to help change lives. And I'm thankful even right here on Sunday as we see so many people saved. I'm thankful for the fact that, uh, you know, we have free coffee. Come on, somebody, right? Free coffee, Tim Horton style. We don't charge, right, when you come in. Uh, thankful for free resources uh, to be a blessing to our first-time guests and outreaches. Think about our back-to-school bash that we just did a few months back and helped 250 kids. And we fed up to nearly 600 people that day and just feeding families. And, and we have outreaches that go on every month. And in fact, our dream team, or excuse me, our team that's going to the dream center, uh, that's happening. They're going to Los Angeles and praying for them today. Why? Because we want to start a dream center next year. It seems crazy. I know that. But you know what? God has placed within us a vision that's bigger than us, that goes beyond us. Why? Because we see outside of these four walls that there's a broken humanity that needs the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And guys, and here's the reality, that our generosity does determine the pace of vision. And, and that's, that's a fact, all right? So, uh, and I just, I'm of the belief that we'll always have more, probably more vision than we have resources. But here's why and why legacy is important and everything that we're doing, because it determines the pace of vision. And I just believe God is calling us as a church to, to not about even just doing more, but leading more in a greater capacity. Why? Because he's trusting more and more people to us and uh, in, in our church. And so we just got a massive heart to continue, man, to reach people for the glory of God. Amen, everybody. And so I want to give you uh, this principle out of Luke. And this is something I want to show you today out of Luke chapter 6. And it says this, beginning in verse two verses here, and then we're going to read verse 38. So 36 and 37. It says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiving. And again, this is the law of sowing and reaping. Then verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Again, farming culture, everybody. All right, this is what's important. And so in, in those days, the farmer, uh, he would have his own surplus. All right, and so within his own surplus of grain, so he, he'd have this grain, he'd have a massive field. And what would happen is at the four corners of his field, obviously well spread out, would be grain, just piles of grain. And then the middle of the field was a massive pile of grain. Now watch this. This verse is specifically talking to people that don't have much or don't have their own surplus. All right? And so those who owned their own field or had their own surplus were to only go and take grain from the middle of the field. But those who didn't have much, the Bible said, you are to go to the, one of those four corners. That was the law. And then here's where that verse really comes alive. So it's essentially to take your basket, and this is really what they did, is they took their basket, all right, and then they would fill that basket up, all right, and then they would press it down, just like the, the scripture says, they would shake it together, all right, until it was running over. So they get as much in. Why? Because these people would walk miles to get food and bring back for their families. I mean, just crazy to think. So they'd walk miles, then they'd walk miles back uh, with that grain in, in their basket, and then they would bring that back for their family. Now, what's interesting about this verse, too, and this is what God is saying, 
to us is God is saying, hey, I know what you're, you're thinking. You're thinking, man, God, all I have is, is, is this basket in my hand. But God is saying this, and this is the title of my message today, if you didn't already see it, from closed fists to open hands. Because God wants you and I to be a people that give open-handed. And not just monetarily, but that we give of our time and our life and that we're a blessing to other people. But God is saying this, if you'll, if you'll open up your hands, I promise, and we see that in Malachi 3, we learned it last week, but I promise, I love that our God is not about addition, he's about multiplication. And he says, I'm going to multiply what's in that basket, all right? And again, God wasn't talking to those in this verse who already had much. And so here's what God is saying, that I don't want you to catch the vision of getting, I want you to catch the vision of giving. I want, I want this to be a part of your life. I want this to be who you are. I want you to model this to your family and your kids. I want you to model this, come on, to your coworkers and to your neighbors. And so he wants us to catch that. And so, again, motives are everything to God. And we give to give, not give to get. And so the message of Jesus has always been give. Give. Go from closed fists, come on, to open hands in Jesus' name. Give to those, guess what? Give to those uh, who ask of you. Give to those who can't pay you back. Give love to those, come on somebody, to those that don't deserve it. Give mercy to those who wrong you. Give the kind of treatment that you would hope to receive back from other people. And here's a question as a parent that I think about, and I'll ask you parents here today, is this. Think about your kids for a minute. Which attitude am I most motivated to reward in, in my children? Gratitude or greed? Think about it. Because that's God's, how God's looking at us as his kids as well in our life. So here's what I know. Number one, jot it down, is you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. This is such a great verse that I want to read it out of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. I want you to watch this because this is, this is everything. And the Bible says, make no mistake about it, you can never make a fool out of God. Whatever you plant, look at that, whatever you plant is what you'll harvest. So I want you to think about that. So whatever I'm planting, whatever I'm sowing is what I'm going to harvest. God put this principle in effect for us, principle from Genesis, that everything produces after its own kind. If you, if you give an apple, you plant an apple seed, what are you going to get? An apple tree, right? So whatever we give, we also reap, and we give love uh, we get, when we give love, we, we get love as well, all right? And that's, that's important. And then here's the second one is that you reap after you sow. Give and it will be given to you, the scripture says. And here's another verse that is very important to your walk that you got to understand because there's a lot of frustrated Christians in the world that, that, you know, don't really understand, again, that God's ways are really higher. And so the Bible says this. In Genesis chapter 8, to, as long as the earth endures, notice this, it says seed, time, and harvest. Important to notice that seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Now, I've had, man, I've heard Christians say this and just my time in ministry and, and, and just, well, I, you know, I gave on that Sunday, there's two Sundays, you know what I mean? Just a, like, what, what are you saying? Like, like, and, and I'm thinking, you know, and they say, and I didn't see God move. Well, of course you didn't see God move. Your attitude is the size of Texas for number one, all right? And so you got to get that heart thing under control first. But again, it goes back to your heart. It goes back to the motive of your heart. Again, if God has your heart, he's got your life. But here's what we have to understand. Again, money, we see it as what? Seed. 
So uh, think about uh, right here in Fort Wayne in the cornfields of Indiana, when farmers here, when they sow the seed, I mean, no, they don't just harvest right after they've just sown. And sometimes when we sow, uh, according to God and his word, there's sometimes you may see a, a miracle come right about, and it's happened for some, all right? But sometimes it takes time. And there's a lot of people that get real aggravated with that because you and I get aggravated because we think God's not on our schedule. In fact, uh, he's probably not. He's on his schedule, all right? And he knows exactly what he's doing and when he's doing it, and we have to trust God in the process. I, don't, I want you to not miss something because after the seed is sown, after time, guess what happens? Then the harvest comes. But here's the thing I don't want you to miss, and that's simply this, is that in the midst of sowing a seed... And before that harvest time is the time. And I'm telling you, that's the time where, like me, I shared my story last week. I was sweating bullets, crying, I'm is it going to work out, freaking out. But in those moments are the moments that God has made us. And in those moments, I'm telling you, where God grafts us and helps build our character to become the men and women that he wants us to be. I'm telling you, man, if, we can't, if God cannot trust us with what we have in our hands tonight, man, how is he going to be able to trust us in, in the things and the much that we want to see happen in Jesus' name later on? And so again, seed, time, and harvest. And we just have to remember how important this is and understanding that this is part of God's order in our life. And so you have to sow in order to reap. And I've heard people even say, man, I've, man I, I'd, give, I'd be a giver if I had more. And I just want to challenge you. We have to manage well. We have to learn how to say no. There's a lot of things my kids want every time I go somewhere. Do they get it all the time? No. Because if I gave it to them all the time, I wouldn't have a house today. I wouldn't have clothes today. You know what I'm saying? And so we, again, have to manage well. And that word no is really important. And, you know, and speaking of which, I'm so thankful for one of our pastors, Pastor Kyle Sadler. You know, a few semesters ago, God laid it on his heart to start right here in our church through Dave Ramsey's program, Financial Peace. We love Dave Ramsey around here. And I'm telling you, that financial peace, uh, we've had, I think, I want to say 40-some, maybe almost 50 that have gone through it, and it's revolutionized their life. They are, many of them now are totally debt-free. I'm telling you the testimonies that came out, and he can attest to it. And so uh, questions like that, you know, you can, you can ask or get in the small group, most importantly, because that's what's going to help you. And, you know, even this semester, we've got two different financial peace classes happening. Why? Because, man, we want to help God's people uh, get free and, and live a life and have a legacy later on uh, for their children and their children's children. That's what the Bible talks about. And so Mark chapter 4 says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Uh, and, and here's the final thing to today, and that is this, that you reap, number three, more than you sow. This is so good because this is when multiplication really takes action. This is really good. Thankful, this is a thought actually last, last night. Um, right as I was just final kind of prepping and I got home and uh, prepping last night. There's just a couple thoughts that kind of hit. I want to give you this thought. You can write it down if you want. But I think it's got everything to do with just culture, your home, atmosphere. I'm, I'm big on that. I, I love having a peaceful atmosphere. I uh, love, uh, to, you know, growing in thankfulness and gratitude. I, I just, we, we want to model that for our kids and teach our kids to always be that way. 
But here's what I believe. If you want to jot this down, you can. First off, one thought really, uh, one thought with two, two parts kind of to it. And that is this thankfulness produces the environment for multiplication. And because I think thankfulness has a lot to do with what God can do with a heart that's ready. I think thankfulness is a life that's, that's, that, that, that understands the importance of humility. And, and, and so thankfulness produces the environment uh, for multiplication. And so, and here's the, 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 the thought, other part of the thought with it, that whatever you put in Jesus' hands, he multiplies. And I think a lot of times we don't give God the opportunity to really multiply because sometimes we think we could do a better job. Or we don't want to lose control of that. And I'm telling you, some, uh, most of the time, probably all the time, the best place to always be is in a place where you're, well, you're not in control. Uh, because you want God to be in complete control of everything in your life. I love this verse in Psalm 126. Because here's what I know. For some of us, oh, this is tough. For some of us, our finances and are, are maybe in not a healthy place. Maybe for some of us, we're doing well. Maybe for somebody in here, you're... Man, you're just barely above water or you're sinking today. I just want you to know God really does have a plan for your life as it relates to finances, if you'll do it his way. It says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I love something Winston Churchill said. He said, we make a living by what we get, uh, but we make a life by what we give. Such an incredible uh, verse. And so I'm telling you, uh, money is going to be uh, one of the greatest tests that you and I will have on this side of eternity. It's an absolute fact. And money uh, doesn't change you. I think what money does is it makes you more of what you already are. In, in other words, I saw a stat some time ago that 70% of people who win the lottery go bankrupt, usually typically within the first year uh, of that stat said. And so really here's what that shows is that those people were already messed up and they couldn't handle what was given to them. And so, church, here's just what I want to do. I want to challenge you to open up your heart and open up your hands to be a giver and to do it God's way, all right, and see the resources that he brings you as opportunities to help people so that the gospel can be preached, so that the kingdom of God can advance in the earth. And you'll be one of the richest people, not because you were giving to get, but because you were giving to give. And I'm just telling you, this is God's way. And uh, God's ways always work. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you today for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, just right now. Uh, God, for messages like this, I know different ones of us, uh, different ones of us, excuse me, are just in different seasons right now. And Holy Spirit, let just a, just a boldness come up within us today. For some of us, we need to just get real honest about where we're at. And, uh, and, and so, Lord, I just ask for the helper right now, the Holy Spirit, to come, to move, to minister. We need your help. And, uh, Father, we want to see a church rise in generosity. We want to we be irrational givers. We want to be uh, a church known as that, as a people known for that, so that we can be generous on every occasion. But, God, help us be faithful with what you've placed in our basket today so that you will be faithful uh, so that you can trust us more uh, later as well. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that. And if anyone's here right now and you don't know uh, Jesus as your Savior, uh, you talk about first things. That is your first decision in your life that you've got to make. And so all over this room right now, if that's you or watching online, if you don't know God and you don't have him in your heart personally, you can know him personally today. All right, it's not about joining a religion or church. It's a personal relationship. And maybe you're just in a place just right now. Maybe you're watching and 
you just realize, man, God is not first in my life. And if you're wondering about that, where you're at, man, just go, go all in with God today. And if that's you, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now and just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my past. I put you in first place in my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless you.